up with a lot of psychological foundations. That doesn't mean that they've never been able to help people, uh, but a lot of the psychological foundations are based in uh, flawed doctrine. You know, it's not biblical doctrine. Uh, and they'll say things like, well, it, you were born that way, so therefore you can't change it. You just got to learn to accept that and, and move on. Uh, and my Bible says that, that we as human beings are sovereign uh, beings. We get to choose. Uh, and so it doesn't matter what you were born. If you don't want to be that way, uh, you cannot be that way. Uh, and, you know, so they use that excuse. And it's, and it's just an excuse of, well, I was born that way. Therefore, I have to continue to sin. Uh, well, number one, you weren't born that way. You were born in the image of God uh, when you came into the earth. The Bible says that, you, that God lights every man that comes in the world. So you were born exactly like God looks like and desiring of God. Uh, and, of course, you have to go through the age of accountability and that type of thing. But, uh, but there's a lot of psychology that gets into the church that, that is not, does not line up with the word of God at all. Uh, and, uh, uh, and yet much of the church embraces it, right? And so things that are just not biblical, doctrines that are not biblical, that are just based upon uh, psychology. Well, it, you know, sometimes it just takes you a while to get over things. Uh, in, even though the Bible says you can get over things anytime you want to get over things, right? Uh, and um, a lot of things when he gets into, well, brokenhearted people, things like that, a lot of psychology gets involved, you know, and uh, wounded hearts and, you know, a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of uh, uh, unbiblical psychology that gets into the church about those things. And really, if, if you look at uh, the long-term effect of that, People never recover from those things by using psychology. They, they'll stay in that, just like people that uh, go through uh, the AA program. And, you know, has AA helped people? Alcoholic has probably helped plenty of people to survive and live. But the premise of Alcoholics Anonymous is you are an alcoholic, you will always be an alcoholic. And they always say, I'm an alcoholic, even if they've been dry for, for 20 years. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The, you know, the Bible says, call those things to be not as though they were. You know, I, I am a clean person. I don't have a need for alcohol. That's what the Bible says, right? Um, you know, I read a book about Wilson that started AA. Yeah. You know how he got the 12 steps? Mm-mm. An Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's yeah. why they never say God or Yeah, they say higher powers, and, uh, and so they, they, they kind of sound spiritual, pseudo-spiritual, um, and they don't want to come out against anything, you know, by being against Christianity, by saying, hey, we're not Christian, we're, we're you know, uh, we're a cult, you know, that, that would kind of uh, turn people off. So they just kind of wrap it in some pretty sounding, generic sounding words. And again, I'm not, a, I'm not mad at anybody, you know, uh, if it's helped you stay alive, then praise God, you know, you're alive to, to repent and find the path that God wants you to have. Uh, but in the church, we should stay in the church. We should stay in the word of God. We shouldn't bring in... Um, we shouldn't bring in the world's ideas for things. And even, uh, even in that regards, you know, I th- uh, my personal opinion is we shouldn't bring in a lot of things that are, aren't, are just neutral, right? Uh, like uh, here's five ways to exercise, you know. Uh, you can lift weights, you can walk, you know, teach people how to do that. You know, I'm not opposed to people doing that, but that's not really the role of the church to teach people how to do that. You know, you can do that outside the church. The church should be teaching people faith about how to operate by faith. Uh, and so there are plenty of good things that are not necessarily unbiblical that we can add to our lives outside of church. And doesn't mean we can't mention them, but uh, to um, uh, from the pulpit, I'm talking about from the pulpit, you know, if we want to have a Tuesday night, you know, uh, class or something, you know, yoga or whatever, you know, I don't I don't care. You know, none of my business about any of that stuff. 
but um, but from a from a pulpit standpoint, as far as the church goes, we should focus on faith and and stay in that. And 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 and, uh, and I would encourage you just be careful about things that are not biblical that uh, uh, that really go against what the Word of God says uh, in in applying them into your life, because there's a lot of that, a lot of competition for that uh, in your life. Um, because a lot of times, what happens is then you need that person, you need that guru in order to stay well. You know, you need to, you need to find out what that guru says so you know how to handle situations. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, and, and again, it's the same kind of thing, but, you know, a lot of people end up seeing, having to see therapists, you know, and I'm not against therapists. Uh, I'm not mad at anybody about that. Uh, but, you know, you've got a shepherd in churches, and every church has got a shepherd. Uh, and I don't know why people don't use their pastors, you know, uh, I'm not really a therapist. Obviously, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a life coach. But there are obviously things that people deal with that, you know, a shepherd can help you with, right? And I'm not gunning for anything. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not going to put a couch in my office or anything, you know, and have you all lay on my couch or anything like that. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of times they go to therapists because they don't realize that there's spiritual help at a church. Mm. Because when you're dealing with things, the issue is the spirit realm, right? It's not really your mind. It's It's getting your spirit to be strong enough to overcome every situation. Your spirit should be strong enough to overcome uh, the thoughts of your flesh and the thoughts of your mind. And so, um, and you really should be able to learn those things in church and, and not have to uh, go get help other, outside of the church for those things. Uh, but again, you know, have they ever helped people? I think they probably helped plenty of people stay alive and, and stay out of, you know, harming other people or themselves. And, uh, but, um, but we're, we're not going to start therapy sessions, you know, in the church. And so, um, so praise God, because I believe that, uh, you know, the Christian's mind ought to be the strongest mind. They ought to have the, the cl- most clear-minded uh, mind as of all the people in the world. We have the right to do, to do that. We should have the strongest spirits that we have, right, uh, the, to be able to follow the will of God. We should have the most healthy bodies, uh, because that's what the Bible, if he's our healer, then, then that should be a part of our lives. Amen. Uh, you know, I think uh, Christians ought to be able to to be the, the best, happiest, strongest, most sound minded, uh, healthiest people in the whole world. Amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, when you get in the presence of God, the Bible says the times of refreshing come from from the presence of God. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people are beat down and wearied in their life. They don't know if they can make it. Well to get times of refreshing from his presence right i mean that's pretty good therapy right there right um and so but that's real therapy that that'll help you right i have the mind of christ well it's hard to think bad thoughts if you have the mind of christ right i mean there's just a lot of things that uh it's different than the way the world teaches it but it's long lasting and, and it's real right uh and um uh and i have dealt with you know uh, crazy thoughts overwhelming thoughts over the, over the years and uh, know what it's like to be that way uh, but I found my answer in the word of God and not, you know, in a pill or not on a couch. And, uh, and again, I'm not mad at anybody who's, who's had to resort to that because if it keeps you well and alive long enough to find faith, then that's, that's great, right? But that's not the, uh, you won't find long-lasting uh, help in that. And I've also found, too, sometimes churches will get into kind of a, a counseling rut where they counsel everybody. And I know people that would do that. They'd go counseling every week, you know, and so their pastor becomes their therapist. Well, that's not a role that a pastor is supposed to have mm-hmm. is your therapist. You know, he can help you work through some things on occasion. But, uh, but what I observed is they never got any better. They were still 20 years later, the same 
messed up people they were 20 years before that because they're not really changing. They're just wanting somebody to dump on and somebody to complain about and somebody to talk to uh, and tell all their woes to. And, uh, and so uh, I don't know why we got off all, all that, but uh, I want to stay with the faith. Don't you want to stay with faith? Yeah. I like faith. It works, right? Uh, I know, I know. And it's the best thing in the world. I mean, I love living by faith. I love living by the word of God. Uh, happiest all the time, you know. And, and um, uh, you know, there's nothing I don't know that I can't deal with, you know. I deal with everything. And, and I deal with things, you know, uh, just like anybody else deals with things. But um, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a great way to live, you know. Amen. I love living that way. Uh, because I can do it all with just faith. Me and the Lord can do it, right? Uh, and so uh, it's... Uh, and we and we should be selling this, you know, to the world, right? Yeah. I mean, we, hey, uh, you've tried everything else. Come try the Lord. You know, yeah. it's way better than everything else you've tried. You know, you want to live happy yeah. every day. Yeah. Come follow the Lord. You know, you want to be healthy every day. Come follow the Lord. You know, uh, you want to have a peace of mind every day. Come follow the Lord. You know, and, and people act like, you know, well, it's just, you know, well, that, that's OK for you. You know, like, whatever, you know, and then, Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else's sickness to their sickness. Yeah. And put everything as that, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, if we could figure that out, Mr. Johnny, we, we would uh, we could write a book, right? Why do people do that? You know, why do people you know, why do why don't people want to pursue the Lord? Why you know, even in the church, why don't people want to pursue the best of the Lord in faith? You know, why don't people want to follow how to uh, live a, a happy, secure, healthy life? Uh, which they can, uh, but it takes some effort to do that, right? But it's a whole lot less effort than taking a pill every single day the rest of your life, right? Uh, and so, uh, or multiple times a day. And so, again, we're not, we're not mad at anybody for taking pills. Obviously, you know, uh, we encourage people if, if, that's, if that'll help you, then, then do that, you know? Mm-hmm. There's always God's way, which is better than any way that a man comes up with. But if you're not ready or, and don't uh, have the faith or don't have the, the fortitude to invest in, in learning faith, then uh, take your medicine or go to the doctor, do whatever you got to do to stay alive and healthy yes. long enough to, to find God's best. Uh, and then, uh, then you can do, like Johnny did, just get off the medication that, that you were on for, for how many years were you on that stuff? Probably seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, but you do that by the direction of the Lord, right? You don't do that because I say to do that. You don't do it because someone else did it. You did it because the Lord shows you it's okay and you're ready to do that now. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I just think God's ways are way better, right? And they're way better because he's a good God. And if he's a good God, he desires good things for us. Amen. And uh, uh, one of the things is healing for our physical bodies. And we have a right and a, uh, uh, we have a right and a, and a paid for plan that the Lord spent a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, cost to obtain, right? Uh, he allowed uh, created beings to beat him, right? By his stripes we were healed. So he came into the earth at great cost, left everything in heaven at great cost, uh, suffered as a as a limited human being in the sense of uh, only being in one place at one time. You know that uh, for he did that for decades right he was 30 something years old when he finally died did that for 30 years he had never been constrained in all of existence right uh, did that for our benefit and then let these people who didn't know what they were doing or talking or saying or why they were doing it beat him 
time and time again for hours and you know, probably a whole day uh, and allow that to happen uh, and was well enough physically, strong enough physically to take that because most human beings would have never, never have survived that, uh, the beatings that he did uh, and then to still go to the cross uh, and um, uh, be crucified on the cross. Uh, you know, he was healthy enough that he could put up with that. And, and you know, those things didn't kill him. If you remember, uh, his, uh, he gave up the ghost, right? Uh, he said in John chapter 5 that I laid down my life and I pick it up. Uh, and so he, he checked out whenever he wanted to check out, even though uh, he was in pain and agony because his body was not subject to death. He, he had a slightly different body than you and I have. Uh, and so he could have lived. Uh, I, you know, I think he could have just... Uh, stayed on the cross long enough and then he could have got back off the cross physically if he wanted to uh, he would have recovered and because the father was his healer just as much as the father was the healer of all of Israel uh, and uh, he could have got healed supernaturally uh, if he chose to allow the Lord to do that and of course he didn't you know we know all the of course a lot of reasons for that but um, uh, he was not anybody's victim right uh, and so um, Let's pray and we'll get into the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God and we thank you for blessing us, Father, with good, good things. We thank you, Father, for blessing us with healing, uh, with prosperity, soundness of mind, fullness of joy, Father, uh, contentment. We thank you for all the things you provided for us in the plan of redemption. And, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. We'll get started there today. So uh, in, in, this, in this segment of her book, right, of course, is, this is the, the healing power, but uh, uh, in this one, she, uh, he's the great physician. So this portion of the book, right, it's, it's one of four books, but this portion is, uh, she goes through much of the book, she's going through just different healing examples and talking about them. And so uh, this one that she's uh, talking about here in Matthew chapter 15, uh, the Syrophoenician woman uh, this is one of my favorite ones here, and we've gone over this many times, but um, never hurts to go over the, these things because um, uh, it encourages us. Amen. Uh, and so just like you know, we were we were um, uh, working with some youth one time and uh, talking about reading the Bible. And they said, well, what do you what what are you supposed to do after you finish reading the Bible one time? Are you done? You know, you just don't go to church anymore. I mean, what do you do after that? Right. And it's like, well, you know, it's OK to read it a second time. Right. Uh, and really, you know, the word of God, it's always good to continue to read it because you always get something out of it. It's alive and active, right? It's not just dead words on a page. Uh, and so uh, this is a story here starting in verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, the woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Uh, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, we don't, it doesn't give us any backstory. We don't know what, what that looked like. We don't know how she knew that it was the devil. Uh, but I think even, even worldly people can look at somebody and go, oh, yeah, it's the devil. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just sometimes it's kind of obvious. So we don't know how she was grievously vexed with that devil uh, or, or troubled by that uh, particular demonic power. Uh, but she was, and, and uh, the Lord didn't argue with her in this case, right? Uh, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. Uh, and, and, you know, I've always, I always think it's interesting. You'll find this, this general attitude in the, in the Gospels 
that many times the disciples would kind of tell Jesus what to do, boss him around or, or speak for him. Send, send her away. She's, she's bothering us. Well, they're not crying after them. They, she ain't bothering them. She's crying after Jesus, right? Uh, but this is, she cried after us, right? Uh, and uh, the thing that I've noticed about the, the leadership of the Lord, he never pulled his I'm the son of God uh, card, you know. Uh, you know. How dare you dishonor me by, you know, he never demanded that they honor him, you know. He never demanded that they worshiped him. Uh, and, and so sometimes that complacency of the familiarity they had with the Lord would, allow, would cause them to kind of usurp the authority of the Lord, right? Who's the, who's the greatest authority in this story? Well, Jesus is, right? So if he's not saying to get rid of her, why do they have an opinion at all? I mean, if he's, if he's not saying, you know, tell her to be quiet, why are they telling him to tell her to be quiet? Why are they bossing him around, right? And yet, uh, um, you know, I, I know people in the world, both in the church and out of the church, that you would never dare to do something like this and speak for them or, or tell them what to do. I mean, they would just uh, pinch your little head off right there, right? Uh, but Jesus never seemed to really demand that, that they... Now, they did, and many times they acknowledged that he was a leader, but it, it seemed to me like they kind of thought, well, he's the leader, but he really needs our help because, you know, he's kind of naive and he doesn't really know how the world works. You know, we, we're, we're people of the world. You know, we, we know how these things work, so we really got to help out Jesus here because, you know, he, he's just trying the best he can. And, uh, and, and, and yet Jesus never rebuked him for that, you know. Uh, I mean, they would talk about who's the greatest one among them, right? Remember those stories? And just foolishness, right? Uh, and, and so uh, saying, uh, send her away, she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you remember when Jesus sent out the 70 and then, and, and then uh, in uh, Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, he sent out the 70 and sent out the, uh, uh, the disciples, um, the 12 disciples. He said, only go to the nation of Israel. So that's, kind of, that's key, right? That's important to the story. Uh, and uh, of course, we've gone over the story many times and you probably know um, the, the, uh, the end of this here. Uh, but at this point in time, it says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So is that statement true today? Is Jesus only uh, available to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? No. Uh, where is he sent? Where is he available to go to today? The whole world, right? But at this point in time, so, so how long is, is this where he's limited only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Uh, when does that end? At the cross, right? When he died. And so, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along here. Uh, then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. So I really like this woman. You know, she ain't taking no for an answer, right? And faith will never take no for an answer. Uh, and uh, this woman... Uh, and, you know, of course, it's it's that that tenaciousness of a mother whose child is is ill. Right. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get my child well. Uh, and so. Uh, so first he said, you know, I'm not sent to help you. And then he said it is not in verse 26. It is not meat or not good to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. So uh, what is it she wanted? Healing for her daughter. Right. So what did Jesus call healing? children of bread well who are the children of god aren't we the children of god well then he calls it our bread it means it belongs to us right he said he he provided ownership of healing to the children it's the children's bread it belongs to the children 
So healing belongs to us, right? It's, it's part of our inheritance. So uh, when people say, well, you can't ask God for healing. Well, I'm not asking for God for healing. He already said it belongs to me. I'm a child. He calls it my bread. It's mine. I'm not going to go up and say, hey, Jesus, can I have the bread that you just gave me? He'd look at you like, what's wrong with you? I just gave it to you, right? It belongs to you. So uh, who, who does it belong to? It belongs to us, right? To the children. Are we the children of God? Well, we are the children of God. Uh, and so, so um, and she said in verse 27, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Uh, and then Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And a daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, you remember the, the, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 8, we talked about the centurion, right? And Jesus called uh, what he had great faith, right? I've not seen such great faith, no, not in, in Israel. Uh, and so, you know, what, what's the parallel between the, the, uh, uh, the centurion soldier there? In fact, just hold your place there just real quick and go back over to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, and uh, when he came, uh, the Lord said in verse 7, I will come and heal him, talking about the, the centurion servant. And this is what he said. Uh, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me and say to this man, go and he goeth into another come and he cometh into my servant, do this and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it. He marveled and said, verily, I've not uh, I say unto you, I've not seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. So uh, what what was what was common between the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. Do we know? What's that? They're both not Jews, right? But what, what was common about their great faith? It's a little bit of a trick question, right? So uh, uh, I'm going to... Uh, what's that? It was their faith, their faith right? Uh, but the root of it was their understanding of how the Lord works. Uh, and one of the things about faith, faith really understands how the Lord operates. Uh, and so there, there, there are different types of understanding, but they're both understanding of how the Lord operates. So you know, with, his, with the centurion's faith, he understood how authority worked. Oh, yeah. Well, who's ever in charge? They get to make the rules. Uh, and it's obviously Jesus. You're in charge. So you make the rules. So everybody else got an answer to you. Right. So now that woman, the woman here, she didn't have that understanding, but she did understand that, hey, um, you're going to call me a dog, which is an insult. But um, I do understand that the dogs only need a small scrap every now and then, and, uh, uh, and the masters give it to them, right? Because that's what she said, right? That the, that the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So she understands that, that she needs just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of the power of God, uh, and that it's available even to the, to the lowest uh, member uh, of society, which in this case was dogs, right? So she had some understanding about how some things worked. Uh, and that Jesus called that great faith. Uh, and, you know, it always amazes me when I hear people say, well, God puts sickness on me. You know, to me, that shows you have no understanding about how God operates. You don't even understand him at all. And sometimes I wonder, have you even, even met him? Because people will say, well, God put brain cancer on me. Or even worse, you know, I was at my nephew's funeral many, many years ago. Uh, and the, the minister got up and said, well, God took him. And I'm thinking, you don't, have you ever met the Lord? You don't understand him at all. If you say that the Lord is taking children from their mothers, what's wrong with you, right? Now, you know, of course, they didn't ask my opinion. 
uh, and uh, if they had asked my opinion, I'd been like, you know, what's wrong with you? But, um, but see, they both had understanding about how the Lord works. And, and so can, can we understand how the Lord works? Well, clearly we got two people, not even of the household of Israel, didn't grow up in, in, in the synagogues, didn't grow up in the temple, didn't grow up with the teachings of who the Lord were, who the Lord was. And yet they both understood who the Lord was. Uh, and Jesus calls that great faith. Uh, and, you know, for me personally, one of the things I'm always trying to do is, is get the understanding, right? The Bible says that uh, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get what? Get understanding. Because understanding answers the question of, of why, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, why does, why does this work? You know, why does uh, uh, the, the centurion understood uh, the question of, well, well, why does Jesus get to say these things? And he understood that because he has the authority, right? And the woman uh, was able to answer the question, why, why do people uh, even of no consequence get healing? Because all they need is a scrap of, of healing, right? That's all they need, right? So she had some understanding of these things. And Jesus called that, uh, uh, called that great faith, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, now, and I know we've, we've covered this before, but just a, a couple other little points here. Uh, this woman was from Canaan, right? Canaan of, of Galilee. And, and the Canaanites um, were known to be very uh, terrible people, right? Uh, and do we know one other? I mean, there's lots of groups of people, but uh, uh, when, um, uh, when Jonah was sent to Nineveh, what was, what was true about Nineveh? They were also terrible people, right? Uh, and so the, these, uh, these Canaanites were, were uh, very terrible people. Uh, and least likely to uh, deserve the blessings of the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, and that, uh, that may have been what prompted the disciples to say, get rid of this lady here because, you know, she's from Canaan, right? She's a terrible person, and we don't like dealing with, uh, with that in particular, right? Um, uh, and so, and then, of course, Jesus called her a dog, and, you know, just from, from history, we understand that, in uh, their society here, when you called somebody a dog, that's, you know, that's like the worst thing you could call them, right? Because a dog was considered the, the lowest thing that you could call somebody. And so it was a great, uh, it was a great insult because dogs were considered to be unclean, right? And, and, um, uh, and so that was a grave insult. Uh, and so, could, and that's really what Jesus was saying was, you know, you Canaanites in general are, are the dogs of the world. And that's what that and that, and that what Jesus said. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs, right? He said that for a reason. He didn't. He wasn't just making up a story. He said that for a reason. He was classifying these people from from Canaan as being dogs, right? Now, did God so love the whole world? Yes. He did, including who? Including the dogs of Canaanite, right? And so, so he he wasn't. You know, people say, well, he was insulting him. He wasn't really insulting him. He was just stating a fact. Right. That they were the dogs that they were they were uh, uh, unclean people and and uh, had the worst reputations in, in the in uh, in that area. Uh, and so, you know, the Lord can say things and, you know, people say, well, you know, you're insulting me. What's well, is it really? Is it really an insult if it's true? I mean, you know, I don't know. You're you're, you're ugly. Right? Well, are you insulting me. Well, is it, but is it true? Oh, OK, it's true. Right. So uh, then is that a really an insult or just a statement of fact? I don't know. You know, I guess you can argue either point. Right. Uh, but Jesus called called her a dog, uh, and so uh, and look, she didn't take she didn't take offense at it, right? 
Because faith sees the goal. Faith sees the goal of, uh, I've got to get healing. You don't call me dog, I don't care. I, got, I ain't got time to, to wallow self-pity about that. Uh, and so, so then we get in the question of, uh, uh, if uh, back to verse 24, where Jesus said, I am not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that a true statement? It's a true statement, right? I mean, because Jesus said, I'm, sent, I'm only sent here. That's what he told the disciples. When you go preach, only go there. Don't go anywhere else, right? After the cross, he went to the whole world. Before the cross, uh, he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So uh, then we have to ask the question of, of then, then why, uh, why was she able to get healed, right? Uh, and, um, you know, the story is, a, is a, a little bit involved because it kind of looks at the whole plan of redemption and understanding how things operate. Um, and we probably won't go into all of those details in that. Uh, but uh, we got to find out, you know, did Jesus violate um, the plan of God by helping this woman? Did, did, you know, when the, because who told him to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Well, the father did, right? All of this was everything he did was according to the father's plan, right? Uh, and so if the father said only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then... Um, uh, then did he violate the plan of God? Was he out of the will of God in, in helping this woman, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, and uh, we're in Matthew uh, 16. Turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of the book here. Uh, so uh, Jesus, now the chapter 28, of course, is after the cross, right? After the resurrection, and so Jesus came, it says in verse 18, he came and spake unto them, said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, now that word power there is what, you know, you know which power that is? Usually two Greek words that were, were helpful about power. Uh, this particular word power here is authority, right? So sometimes, in this in case you care, it's the Greek word exousia, uh, Sometimes power is dunamis, which is the supernatural miracle working power of God. This is exousia, which is authority. And I think uh, because the English translators use those uh, two Greek words and would uh, convert them to power, I think we lost a lot of, of valuable information by not clarifying which type of power this was. Uh, but he said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. So then you've got to ask you the question, uh, and this is this is kind of the rabbit path that that I followed when I when I was studying these things. I was reading chapter 28 one time and I asked the question, well, Lord, you said all power was given to you in heaven and earth. So that implies that before the cross, he didn't have all power. Is that what it implies? Right. Because now he's got all power. But uh, before he didn't have all power. So. So then how did his power change before and after the cross, right? How, how did his power, uh, how did he go from all power after the cross to what did, what did limited power look like before the cross, right? Uh, and then, then you look at what he did. Was there any, any healing he couldn't, uh, couldn't cause to happen? Was there any deliverance, any devils that were too big for him to deal with? Any, any miracles like feeding 5,000? Maybe he could feed 5,000, but maybe he couldn't feed, you know, 6,000, can't do that, sorry, boys, you've got to go home, you know, go to, going to have to go to uh, Cracker Barrel and eat today because 6,000 is too much, above my, you know, I ain't got that much power, right? Uh, was he limited in how many people he could minister to? 
was there only some, the quantity of people, right? You know, so sometimes, remember it said all the sick came to him, but only half of them left healed. Did that, did that ever occur? No, if they all came sick to him, how many left healed? Oh. All of them left healed, right? So, so we didn't see any limited power in what he could do, right? As far as there was no sickness he could uh, not heal. There was no devil he couldn't cast out. Uh, There's no natural phenomenon that was bigger than him, right? He stopped the great storms and the great winds, and he walked on water, and he, and he passed through the midst of people. So there was no limit to the authority that he had anywhere that he went. But he, but he clearly implies in chapter 28 that he's got a different level of power after the cross and before the cross, right? And, the, and, of course, the answer then comes back to Matthew 15, 24, right? I am not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So then, so then chat, uh, verse 24 is explaining the limits of Jesus' authority on the earth when he was on the earth, that his authority was limited to the nation of Israel, the, to the ge- geographical nation of Israel, right? And really to the people of Israel. Uh, and so, uh, so that helps us understand some things there. But then this woman is not of the household of Israel, right? Uh, so uh, before we get into the woman then, so why was, why was the authority of Jesus limited to just the nation of Israel, right? I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So... Yeah, so, so you go back to, to the very beginning, right? So uh, what, uh, what parts of the earth did Adam have authority over? He had the whole earth, the whole earth, right? The Lord said, take dominion over the whole earth, right? So Adam had authority over the entire earth, right? The entire geographical location of the earth. Uh, and uh, so how long was that the case? How long did, Ad, how long did uh, I mean, Adam had the, the authority of the whole earth uh, and then uh, we know that in the garden that, um, in fact, turn over to Luke chapter four, right? So I don't know, we've been down this rabbit path many times, but it's, uh, but it's always good. You know, there's still things in here that we can bring out. Um, uh, and so in, in, uh, in Luke chapter four, uh, <clears throat> he says, um, now in Luke chapter four is, the temptation of the Lord Jesus in the, in the wilderness, right? We're not going to go through all of that, but, uh, but here he says um, in verse 5, and the devil taking him up into a high mountains showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this power, so what, what, word, uh, what Greek word for power do you think that one is? Authority. It's authority, right? It's the same Greek word authority that Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 28. So that really, in fact, I've got it written in my notes in my Bible there. It's the word authority. So that, and that's kind of important. It's kind of a big deal, right? So it's not, it's not supernatural miracle work of power. It's authority. And he, so the devil took him, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, right? So how many kingdoms did he show him to? All in a moment of time, right? And the devil said, all this power, this authority will I give you and the glory of it for that is, so for that is delivered unto me. So what has been delivered unto the devil? All that authority, right? All that power, all that authority had been delivered unto him. So where did he get it from? From Adam, right? He got it from Adam by, by, by snookering Adam in, in, in the garden, basically uh, causing Adam to exceed his authority and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so, so the question is, was this a real temptation? Was this a true statement when the devil said, all this authority will I give to you? 
would, would, would Jesus, of all people, have known if that was a true statement? I mean, it's not a real temptation if it's not a real thing, right? If, if I came up to you and said, hey, you know, I'll give you a million dollars, you know, if, if you go and do this thing. And you look at me and I'm like, you ain't got a million dollars. And you're not a real temptation, right? There's no way. Uh, uh, and so now, if it was a millionaire, right, and they, and they had uh, $100 bills falling out of their pockets, you know, you might, it might yield to that temptation. But if it's some guy, you know, he ain't got, he ain't got a million dollars, it's not even a real temptation because it's not a real thing, right? And so you think Jesus would have known if the devil was telling him the truth here? Well, he would have known because, I mean, of all people, Jesus would have known. He, it's not been that long since he was in heaven and knew all things and saw the whole world. So this is the real temptation. So this is a true statement, right? That the devil had the authority over the whole earth. Uh, and, uh, and he said it was delivered to me. It was delivered to me by Adam because Adam had the authority of the whole earth. He gave it up to, to Lucifer. Uh, now, now the devil's got the authority over the whole earth. Uh, and so except for this tiny little place in uh, Israel, this tiny little country called Israel, the devil had authority in the whole world except for this tiny little place in Israel. Uh, but even in that, he still had authority in Israel to an extent. Uh, but what happened was because there was a covenant agreement with Abraham, right? When Abraham came along, see, uh, and this tells us some more things about our uh, place in, in all of creation as human beings that uh, when the Lord came to Abraham said, I want to set up a, a covenant with you, uh, all you have to do is say yes. Uh, and as soon as you say yes, then I can start some things, right? But until you say yes, I can't do anything. And so finally, an Abraham showed up and Abraham said yes. Now the Lord, because man is always sovereign. Man, man is not required to follow the devil. Uh, uh, oh, the devil's got you. You know, you can't get away from the devil. Anytime you want to blink, you can get away from the devil. You know, the devil has lied to people. Oh, I've got you now. Oh, he ain't got you now. Anytime you want. I mean, the, the gathering demoniac. Remember, the first thing Jesus showed up, he came and worshiped him. And so he had a spark. He had a spark of sovereignty right there that, that, uh, uh, that he showed that he wanted free from his demonic overlords, right? Remember, they... they Try to bind him with change, couldn't bind him with change. And so that's how strong he was. Right. Uh, and yet still he had a spark of, uh, of sovereignty about him, uh, even though he was fully possessed with a legion of devils. He could still anytime he wanted to say, I want free. Now, he may not know how to get free by himself, but as soon as he says, I want I want free. He uh, doesn't matter how many devils he's got. And he was fully possessed. Right. Uh, and he was able to get out of it. So uh, because man is sovereign. Uh, we get to choose, uh, then uh, Abraham was able to make a covenant with the Lord. Uh, and because of that, now Jesus has authority in the earth because he's God, right? God made uh, the covenant with Abraham. So uh, whatever the, the realm that Abraham lived in, whatever realm that Abraham had was the realm that Jesus had authority. So that's why he said, I'm, I'm only sent to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because that's where he didn't have a covenant with anybody else. That's where his authority uh, resided was with just the people that he had um, the covenant with. And so uh, until that covenant was able to be expanded, it was limited to the nation of Israel, right? So that, so that tells us then, that gives some insight of when Jesus said that in verse 24 uh, of Matthew 15, that I am sent but the lost, lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was a true statement. And that's why it's a true statement because 
he only had a covenant with Israel. No other nation did God have a covenant with. And so every other nation, the devil had the authority to operate in all those nations, right? Uh, and so, uh, so now uh, Jesus is, and of course we, we know later on, he gets all the authority back through the, through the act of redemption there. Uh, so, so that tells us, that tells us the, uh, gives some insight into verse 24 when Jesus said why he was limited only to Israel. And we understand that, you know, then in Matthew chapter 28, then he gets all the authority back. But still, we've got to answer the question of, well, why did she get a deal, right? Because she was not a member of the household of Israel. Neither was the, was the centurion, right? He wasn't a member of the household of Israel. And Jesus said, I'm only sent to the household of Israel. So, uh, so of course, we know how to answer that because um, we've got the Bible, right? So let's turn. We've got a couple of places we can look at here. Let's turn to uh, Numbers chapter 15. So after, um, after the Lord established a covenant with Israel, then, uh, then he started writing down laws, right? He started making laws and rules and regulations with the house of Israel. This is the deal, right? Uh, and do you all accept these laws? And they said, yes, we accept these laws. And that was part of their covenant. So uh, written in all of these laws uh, are all kinds of loopholes that the Lord established there for his own benefit, right? Nobody knew they were loopholes until later on, right? Uh, so we get to chapter 15 here. Uh, and let's, let's uh, start out here. Well, let's... Let's start in verse 13. This is Numbers chapter 15, verse 13. It says, All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner, in offering an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So he's talking about uh, born of the country, talking about those that are native, right? Those that are native to the house of the vision, right? Those that are born in uh, the lineage of Abraham somewhere, right? Um, uh, and so, so in everything before that was pretty much talking about here's the things that you do if you're a member of the household of Israel. But then he switches gears here and say, and if a stranger. So now when you see the word stranger in the Old Testament, especially in the law, it's talking about anybody who's not of the household of Israel. So it doesn't mean somebody don't know, you know, like, well, I don't know them. So they're a stranger. That's not what it's talking about. It's always talking about those that are not of the household of Israel. So so would somebody from Canaan be considered a stranger? Well, sure. Would would the would the centurion be considered a stranger? He would because he's not born of Israel, right? He's not a Hebrew. He's not an Israelite. Uh, and so he said, now, if a stranger sojourner stays with you or whosoever be among you in your generations and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto, unto the Lord as ye do, so shall he do. Uh, so he shall do. Uh, and then so he says, if you've got a stranger that lives with you and is willing to make an offering made by fire, but sweet savor unto the Lord as you do, uh, so he shall do. So in other words, he said, if you've got somebody that's not in the house of the Israel who chooses to worship like Israel does and worship the one true God, right? Because he made an offering. Who do you make the offering to? Uh, it says unto the Lord, right? So if you're willing to acknowledge that the Lord is the Lord uh, and uh, uh, make an offering in this way, then he said, here's the benefit that you get. He said, if they're willing to do that, acknowledge that the Lord God is the Lord God. Uh, verse 15 says, one ordinance shall be 
both for you of the congregation, in other words, you of the household of Israel, and also for the, so, for the stranger that sojourneth among you, or with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. So uh, the Lord made a loophole right here, right? And, and I've always thought that it was odd that the, that, the, that the Jews were so against people who were not Jewish. You know, they, they were considered unclean and they would have nothing to do with them, right? And yet right here, even from the law, we're going to look at one other example in, in the law here in just a minute. But even in the law, the law said, look, if somebody comes that's not a, a Jew, that's not an Israelite, not a Hebrew, if they come in and they are willing to worship the Lord like you worship the Lord, then they get all the same benefits you get, right? And they said, what he said, he said in verse 18, one law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. So not, 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 they, they were not second-class citizens, right? They were not uh, beneath the, the value of the Jews. They got the same blessing, same covenant uh, deal that the Jewish uh, folks did. So... Uh, and that that uh, that explains to us then a little bit about this woman here, because uh, what did she do? She came to Jesus. Right. Uh, and if you go back, then um, uh, she, she was crying after after Jesus. And it says in verse 22, back in Matthew 15, she called him Lord. Right. So what was she acknowledging? That he's a Lord. Right. That's kind of a Captain Obvious statement there. Right. But she called him. She called him Lord. Uh, and, uh, and then it says in verse 25, then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. So what was she doing? She was fulfilling what the law said that a stranger has to do. Right. But it wasn't so much about the legalistic aspect. It, it was basically, look, if, if, if uh, uh, just a random person comes by, and wants to worship the Lord too, then they get the same benefits you get. Uh, and that was a loophole because the Jews have always were of the opinion that if anybody comes to, to our nation, they're a second-class citizen, right? And they don't get all the rights and privileges we get. But the law says if they, if they want to worship, they get the same benefits you get, right? Uh, and, that, and is that law still in effect today? Uh, you know, I'd say most Jews today would not accept that law, right? If you went over to Israel, hey, I want to become a Jew. You know, they'd be like, no, we don't, you know, we don't like that. You know, you're a Gentile. Where is your lineage from? How, you know, where do you, you know, which, which tribe of Israel are you from? I, I'm from Bob. You know, there's no tribe of Israel. I'm just, you know, Bob is my ancestor, right? Well, well, you know, I mean, if you're from England, like say, uh, Bob's your uncle, right? Uh, and so um, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, in their mind, you wouldn't get all the detail, all the, all the same deal that the, the rest of the Jewish nation gets. Uh, but that's not what the law said. And just for your notes, we're not going to go back and look at it, but you can write down uh, Exodus uh, chapter 12, uh, 48 and 48 through 49 it's basically the same thing right it says it in a little bit different a little bit different light there but uh, it's basically the same same deal that if you're a stranger or a sojourner and you're willing to to declare that the lord is the lord then you get the benefit so so that was the loophole right so uh, was that open to everybody i mean in a sense well could could everybody automatically did everybody in the world automatically get the blessings of the lord no, uh, it was only those who chose to, came, to come to Israel or choose to accept uh, Jehovah God as the, as the Lord, right? Uh, and so it was open to everybody, but they still had to meet a qualification. That's kind of like it is today, right? That salvation is open to everybody, but it's only available to those who actually accept it. Amen. 
So uh, th there's no limit to who can be saved, but you still have to be saved, right? So there's no limit to who could be a, a member of the household of Israel, but you still had to do your work, right? Either you had to be born naturally into it or you had to come and to declare uh, uh, that the Lord is the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and, I, and I really believe this is why the Lord was delaying this whole situation. Because, you know, at first, uh, she came crying to him, right? And she did say, Lord, at first. Uh, but I think he was just taking it to uh, make sure that she went all the way. And uh, she en ended up worshiping him uh, and, and clearly show that she was fulfilling the law, right? So by fulfilling the law, once she fulfilled the law, now she was qualified, right, to receive the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and... And the Lord really was powerless to do anything about it until she did that, right? Now, the, the, sire, the, the, the centurion soldier did the same thing by saying, I'm unworthy to come into your, uh, uh, unto your, uh, for you to come under my roof. He was acknowledging that he was a Lord, you know, in, in, in the way that he was doing that. Uh, and in both cases, they both proved to the Lord that they were acknowledging that, that Jehovah God was, was the one true God. Uh, and so... And by doing that, then they both got access to the loophole of the law. It says, okay, Jesus, although you were uh, sent only to the household of Israel, uh, we get to take advantage of that because uh, we're going to be considered the household of Israel. Now, the Jews wouldn't consider them that, but Jesus did because he, he's the one who, who inspired Moses to write that law down for us, right? Uh, and so, so she, was, she, was granted, she was granted that... Um, uh, that blessing and see I, it, it's it's likely that she didn't have all of that understanding right uh, but what she did understand is she just needs a small scrap of the power of god doesn't matter if uh if jesus calls her a dog uh even though the dogs are not considered uh, a a uh, upstanding member of the family she still wants uh, access to that small scrap of power uh in her mind yeah. and, and so and because of that, Jesus, well, you have great faith because you understand that you don't need a lot of power and, and that, uh, uh, that there can be mercy given to people on occasion, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, she, so she had great faith, right? Uh, the, the centurion had great faith. And, and the, the sad part about it is neither one of them were Israelites. You know, the, the two people that we know, the Lord said, had great faith in the Gospels, neither one were Israelites. Uh, and, the, and yet the Israelites should have had the greatest faith of everybody because they had the, the, the uh, oracles of God uh, all of those centuries, right? Uh, and so, now notice in this case, what was the, what was the daughter's uh, sickness? She, she had some kind of demon oppression or possession. We don't know uh, the, the extent of that demon uh, activity, but it was demonic in, in nature, right? Uh, did Jesus cast the devil out? Did he lay hands on her? Did he, did he even say anything? I mean, uh, all he said was, uh, be it unto you even as you will, right? Uh, and by him saying that caused the devil to leave her daughter's uh, physical life, right? Uh, and so that tells us that even if it's a demonic uh, situation, you're not required to have a Hollywood event, right? Where you've got to throw up something and turn your head around. Uh, sometimes all you could do is say, that's enough. Uh, and that, that what Jesus said, be it unto you. Of course, he spoke those words, right? So he had to do something. And the same thing with the centurion, right? That, that case, uh, with, with, uh, if you go back to chapter 8 there, 
Jesus said uh, in verse 13, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. That's almost the exact same words, right? So, uh, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Uh, so, all Jesus was doing in, in those two statements was, I'm declaring that that's what's going to happen. That whatever you want, that's my authority is going to declare that what you want is going to happen. So it wasn't just because they wanted it. It was because his authority was now expressed by him declaring that this is what's going to happen. And then that's what followed through, right? The devil left the, the, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, daughter there. And then the sickness left the, the centurion servant there in, in Matthew chapter 8. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we don't know that, but we got a couple of things. One is she's a daughter, so she's under the authority of the mother, right? So, so there is that right there that generally speaking until they become an adult and they have the right to make their own decisions, then they can be within the... the and, re, and really, you know, until they, they're mature enough to make their own decisions, you know, how this happened, we don't obviously have any details about it. Uh, but, um, um, you know, if it was somebody else... They may not be able to do that. If she was an adult, they may not be able to do that. Right? Go ask, hey, Lord, can you deliver so-and-so? Well, well, what do they want, right? They're an adult. They get to make their own choices. So in this case, you know, my assumption is she was a, young, a younger daughter that wasn't able to make her own choices. And so the authority of the mother was the, the highest authority in the household. And so she's taken her authority as the mother to the Lord Jesus and saying, I, you know, I'm granting you authority to operate in my daughter's life there. Um, and so... Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's a, that fits with everything else that the Lord tells us about uh, demonic uh, situations, right? Um, but it is nice to know that, that uh, he didn't cast the devil out of her. He didn't say in the name of Jesus, you know, I bind you, devil. Uh, nothing wrong with doing all those things, right? But sometimes we get into a, um, into a rut and we think we have to have some kind of show of authority, right? Some kind of... Uh, situation or circumstance show up where you know we've got to show that we're the ones in authority here we got to scream at the devil and we've got to do certain things uh and all jesus he didn't even he never addressed the devil right he never commanded it to do anything he just said this is what's going to happen what you want is going to happen and and that was enough uh clues for the devil to leave right they knew that they had the and, and the thing in the realm of the spirit that we need to appreciate is anytime that the authority of the lord goes forth the devils have to yield. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't yield w with natural authority. You know, the police say stop, they keep on running. Uh, but that's different than spiritual authority. When the, when the Lord operates with spiritual authority, the devil always yields. Sickness always yields. All of the natural world always yields to spiritual authority. As soon as it goes forth, it has to yield. Uh, and, and I don't know that we appreciate that as much, uh, but that's the case right here. All Jesus said was, uh, be done unto you. Uh, never addressed any devils, never, never said anything specific, then, then uh, what we would consider exercise authority, right? Because he just said this is what's going to happen, but he did exercise authority because he said this is what's going to happen. What's going to happen is what you want to happen. Uh, and, and, and to me, that's, that, that's really a, um, um, uh, a non-Hollywood type of, of exercising of his authority. Because authority, real, true authority, knows that they're an authority, and Jesus knew he was an authority. Uh, and that authority just says, okay, that's what's going to happen. And that's it. He didn't have to raise his voice. Now, other times we know he told the devils to be quiet, and he commanded to come out, and, uh, you know, not in the name of Jesus, but he commanded to come out. So there are plenty of times when he addressed the devil specifically, 
but because he, you know, he knows he's in authority. And the church needs to kind of get out of that mindset that we've got to uh, deal with devils specifically in a certain way and sickness and disease in a certain way. Uh, whether we're dealing with devils or sickness and disease, we need to understand we're dealing with it by authority, by the name of Jesus, right? Uh, and that's sufficient. Uh, and um, it's not in how loud we speak. It's not on how many people we have. It's not on what, what kind of natural um, uh, things the person does. Do they spin their head around or throw up or, you know, talk with a devil voice or something before it comes out? You know, none of that's necessary, right? If it happens, well, it happens. But, but that's not the, sh- the proof that anything has happened, right? Uh, there was no proof on here uh, that Jesus needed to see because we don't even know where this, where, where this girl was, right? Uh, she, uh, she clearly wasn't with her. Uh, but um, but G- all Jesus did is speak the word. Uh, in, in fact, all he did was speak, this is what's going to happen without addressing any, any being in, uh, in particular, right? And I think that tells a lot. We should meditate on this particular story, not because we want to turn this into a law, that, well, then we're never going to address the devil. Well, that would be out of, out of, uh, out of line too, right? Because did Jesus sometimes address the devil? He did. Uh, and sometimes he spoke to the devil, right? One time he asked the devil his name, right? Uh, and of course, now we try to have conversations with devils and all kinds of weird things and but that only happened one time, so could it happen? Sure, but it's not the rule, right? So I think part of the point that we can learn from this particular story is don't make a rule when you're dealing with, with uh, demonic situations. Always be led by the Spirit, right? Always be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if, if, there's, if you don't have to address the devil, then I wouldn't give him uh, the privilege of being addressed by a child of God, Right? Uh, I wouldn't give the devil any honor to be addressed by the by the uh, a, a uh, child of God, Amen. Uh, and so, um, let's see. Well, we're we're about out of time there. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention about this. Uh, we'll pick it up next week there. But uh, but I think that's a good. Uh, to me, this is one of the most compact, full of information stories. But you got to dig and find it all out, right? Uh, and I think it's a valuable story to we can learn a lot from this particular story. Uh, because it covers a whole lot of ground, right? We went from, you know, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, right? Uh, a couple of different stories there. Uh, end of Matthew, beginning of Matthew there, middle of Matthew. So uh, it's, a, it's a great story there. So why don't we pray and, and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that uh, we as a church have the authority of the Most High God. And Father, we can operate in the same authority. Uh, in fact, it's identical authority because it's in your name. Uh, And so, Father, we ask you to to teach us and instruct us how to live and operate in the authority of the name of Jesus. And, Father, as you do that and teach us and instruct us and grant us revelation and insight, then, Father, we we will operate as you desire us to operate, Father, and not for show uh, and not to uh, to be legalistic about how we deal with sickness and disease or demonic oppression, Father. We will operate as you instruct us to. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this uh, afternoon's offering. And, um, uh, you know, I'm wanting to put all that stuff that we just talked about today. I really wanted to put all that in a a book because I think it'd be helpful to give us some understanding about how the authority has shifted over the years. You know, I know... 
uh, Brother Hagen's book, The, the uh, Believer's Authority, is uh, really a landmark book uh, that has helped the body of Christ. Uh, but it really kind of covers, you know, wh what the, the authority the Christians have today. Uh, and it covers a little bit of history, but I, uh, it might be helpful to put together some of these things and talk about this particular story, how authorities changed over the years and before and after the cross and that sort of thing. Um, because we want to build uh, confidence in the authority of the Lord Jesus in our lives. Amen. Mm -hmm. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, and um, you, you know, remember one of the things that uh, a lot of the people, when Jesus would speak to them, you remember one of the things that they said is this man speaks with authority. And to them, it was really odd. It, it was an, a new thing that, wow, you speak with authority. And if you look at the church today, you know, a lot of the church today, it's kind of like the, 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 the people of Israel were back then is they would talk a lot, but they never really talk with authority. Well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. You know, sometimes you do it and, you, and, you know, he might help you, but, you know, he might not help you. Well, that's not really a statement of authority, right? Statement of authority is God will do this, right? God will do what he says he's going to do. Uh, and to them, that was unusual. But, you know, in the church today, that's pretty unusual when people say, yes, God will heal you. Yes, God will deliver you. Yes, God will provide for you. That's a statement of authority. Uh, and today they will run you down in the church just like they ran Jesus down then, right? How do, you can't just say God will do that. He doesn't answer to you. Of course, he doesn't answer to me, but he answers to his word. If he said it, he's going to do it. He's obligated to do it. You know, we're not demanding he do anything other than what he said he's going to do. Right. Uh, and so uh, uh, nothing much has changed. Right. In all these years. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Uh, next week is is um, uh, our church meal. Right. And then a little get together after that. And so uh, we're not going to have healing school next Sunday. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Right. So. Um, so y'all be blessed and. and uh, I guess we'll let you know if anything changes on the schedule. We'll let you guys know, too, as well. All right. We'll be blessed and, and uh, uh, we'll see you next time we see you. Right. <laughs>